The thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Paul Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi, Accra, and the diaspora. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set on empowerment that will enable you to live a victorious life in Christ. God bless you as you listen. The text is 2 Timothy 3 verse 1 to 5. But understand that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for men will be lovers of self. Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having the form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Somebody say four types of lovers. Say four types of lovers. Okay, so we established the fact that there are four types of lovers in the last days. That those who are full of themselves, they just love themselves. And it's not about to love yourself. Tend to say it's okay to love yourself. Yeah, so as long as it doesn't cross a certain threshold, a certain divinely appointed threshold is okay. There are people who also hate themselves. They just look into the mirror and they begin to curse themselves. Why was I even born? Why is my nose long like this? Why am I like this? They have all kinds of reasons why they can't accept themselves. That's an extreme end. Praise the Lord. Because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Somebody say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You may not like yourself, but God likes you the way you are. He made you for himself. He created you for his pleasure. If God takes pleasure in you, you must take pleasure in yourself. Are you here with me? Yeah, he said, these people have I formed for myself that they may show forth my praise. God made you for all things. He has made all things and for his pleasure they are and were created. You are part of those. Somebody say, I'm created for his pleasure. I'm a delight to God. Yeah, so sometimes when we engage people and they make us feel inferior about ourselves, we always have to remind ourselves that God likes us the way we are. He knows your height. He knows everything about you and he's okay with you. Okay, so that's lovers of self. And now we talk about lovers of money. Somebody say lovers of money. Okay, money is good. Money, 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 money is good. And if you look at money, money was made by God. And everything he made, he saw that it was very good. Somebody say it was very good. Say money was made by God. And it was made to be enjoyed by man. So money is good. Say money is good. But there is a kind of relationship a believer must not have with money. And that is a love relationship. You must not have a love relationship with money. You must like money. You must use money. But don't fall in love with money. Because the moment you fall in love with money, you are going to be led into all kinds of things. The Bible talks about that clearly in the book of 1 Timothy. says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Somebody say the root of all evil. 
you will do despicable things that you never thought you could do when you give in to the love of money. Money is a driving force. It's a good servant, but a bad master. And then, of course, pleasure. Somebody say pleasure. Pleasure, pleasure is one of those things people will love. And then the fourth category is lovers of God. And so, lovers of God. And if you are a lover of God, there are things that must characterize your life. Somebody say, I'm a lover of God. Say, I'm a lover of God. If you are a lover of God, there are things that we must see in your life. Lovers of God are different. One of the things that we see about lovers of God is that they love the things God loves and they hate the things God hates. One particular lover of God we are told a lot about in scripture is a man David. Somebody say David. Psalm 97 verse 10. He said, you who love the Lord hate evil. Somebody say, you who love the Lord. Or say it aloud with me. Ye who love the Lord. Hate. Okay, so when you love God, your love for God must lead you to hate some things. Okay? You can love God and love everything. When you love God, there are things you cannot love. That is the whole subject we are looking at. The subject of forbidding love. We are just simply considering the things lovers of God are not permitted to love. Once you fall deeply in love with God, there are things that you are not permitted to love. And we are told a number of that in the book of 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. On that account, we come to 1 John 2, 15 to 17. Let's look at that now. Let's read it together. One go. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It couldn't be any more clearer than that. For all that is, let's go, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires is not from the Father, but is from the world. Maybe we should do the King James or the New King James. I like the word last because that is what it's translated originally to me. Good. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh. Somebody say the lust of the flesh. Uh-huh. And the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Mm -hmm. And the world is what? The world is staying forever. Is passing away. Is passing away. The world is passing away. The world passes away. No matter how much you want to fall in love with. I mean, all kinds of fashion has come and gone. Have you seen how things pass? They pass so quickly. And now, I think what is invoked now is uh, sneakers with suits. <laughs> Have you seen that? Yeah, sneakers with suits. And you see them wearing it all over the place. It will fit me, eh? <laughs> One day I'll try it and see. <laughs> Someone said the word is passing away. Yeah, and sometimes we try our best not to pass away. We make up, we touch our hair, we do all kinds of things. But no matter what you do, you will pass away. Praise the Lord. Turn to your neighbor and say, no matter how hard you try, you pass away. Yeah. <laughs> the Bible says the word is passing away and the last thereof. But there is a kind of person who will never pass away. The Bible said, he who does the will of God abides forever. So, in looking at this subject, we touch on the command not to love. Somebody say the command not to love. 
the cost of loving the world. The core components of loving the world. And the climax of loving the world. Of course, so we talked about the fact that it's a command. Do not love the world. That's a command. And then we said, if you are going to fall in love with the world, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you intimate fellowship with the Father. There is a certain height in God you can assess when you are madly in love with the world. The Bible says, he that will be a friend of the world, he that will fall in love with the world, will be an enemy of God. You will not get the best of God. The Bible said, he who hath my commandment and doeth them, he it is I will love, and I will make myself known unto him. God wants to make himself known to you, but not when you are in love with the world. Are you here with me? When you are passionately pursuing the desires, the lust of the world, there is no way you are going to get the best of God. And last week, I think I talked to you about five things that can happen or would happen to you if you decide to follow the love for the world. Love for the world, we said number one, is incompatible with love for God. Somebody says it's incompatible. You can't have God and the world at the same time. Tell you, say you can't have the world and God at the same time. Yeah, you have to hold on to one. They said no one can serve two masters. You'll be loyal to one and hate the other. And then we said that intimate fellowship will be robbed. And then we also talked about the fact that love for the world can prevent you from discovering and fulfilling your proper destiny in Christ. And then love for the world will affect your usefulness. Somebody say your usefulness. And effectiveness in the service of God. Turn to your neighbor and say you were designed to be used. God has a purpose to use your life. Yeah, God has a purpose to use your life. He made you to use you for his purposes. And for you to be effectively used as an instrument in the hands of God, the love of the world must be extinguished from your spirit. Praise the Lord. One guy started out very well with Paul. But later on, the Bible says, For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. That's what we find in 2 Timothy 4.10. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present well, and is departed unto Damisha. He lost out, he couldn't finish his ministry because of his love for the world. And then we talked about the fact that you may lose eternal rewards by loving the world. Amen? Okay, tonight we want to continue by looking at the core components. Let's go back to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. Thank you, Spirit of God. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now look at this with me, verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Somebody say, all that is in the world. 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 And then he summarizes to three things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Somebody say the pride of life. Okay. So before we get into the lust of the flesh, we should understand lust. Is that okay? We have to understand lust, then we can apply it to the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh. So when we talk about lust, lust comes from a Greek word that is translated. The word is epithemia. Now, that word actually means to desire intensely for something, to crave for something, to long for something. That's what it means. 
Epithemia is to desire for something that is forbidden. To last is to intensely crave for something. To intensely crave for something. That is intense crave for something. That is what it means to last. Now look at last before salvation. Before we were saved, we live a certain lustful life. Last is not something that when you get born again, it leaves your system. Because last simply means it's desire. Somebody say desire. Uh -huh. So desire is good. God works with our desire. The Bible says through desire, a man having separate desire, seeking intermediate royal wisdom. If you read the book of Timothy, it talks about if any man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good thing. So desire can be good, but desire also can be misplaced. Desire can be misapplied. And that's why we need to look at the proper desire. Before we got born again, there were things we desired, there were things we lasted after. But now that we are born again, the dynamics must change. Somebody say the dynamics must change. So let's look at what our situation was like before we got born again. Now, before you got born again, last was your master. Somebody say last was my master. Yeah, last was your master before you got born again. Last was your master. You couldn't do anything about it. That's what you needed to do because that's how you were wired. We see that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. And you he had quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now look at the language and the diction very closely. You he had quickened. Somebody say, I have been quickened. Say, I have been quickened. The word quickened is to make alive. You he made alive. You were dead. And he says, who were dead in trespasses and sins. So we were dead in trespasses and sins. Anybody who is not born again is dead in trespasses and sins. But when you are born again, you are made alive. Somebody say, I'm alive in Christ. I'm alive in the spirit. I'm alive unto God. My spirit is alive. My conscience is alive. My spirit is active. All right, so he's made us alive. We are alive. Now look at verse number two. He says, where in time past, somebody say in time past. So the man is speaking about what happened in our past. In time past, now you have been made alive. But in time past, this was your state. He said, you walk according to the course of this world. Don't forget, we are dealing with the world. Somebody say the world. You used to walk according to the course of this world. He says, According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit thou now worketh in the children of disobedience. Verse 3, let's go. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the last of our, say, we all. Apostle Paul puts himself inclusive. He said, we all. He started, he said, you were dead. Now he says, all of us, we had our time, we have our conversation, we had our conduct. We had our conduct, we had our way of life, our manner of life was after this pattern. He says, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. So this last is something that has to do with your mind. It manifests itself in your flesh, but it has something to do with your mind. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we're by nature the children of right. Now let's look at the New Living Translation in the same context and see what it says. All of this gives you a picture of our lustful state before we go born again. Uh -huh. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Now verse 2. You used to live 
We used to live in what? Just like what? The rest of the world. Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Verse 3. Let's read it together. Verse 3. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, and by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Amen? You need to understand this, because when you get born again, because this was your state before, the moment you get born again, a conflict begins, civil war begins to take place within you. If you don't understand that this was your state before and the war begins, you will know how to overcome it. So this was our state and Paul was consistent in reminding us to know that this was our state before. And then look at Titus chapter 3 verse 1 to 3. Titus. New King James Version, Titus. He said, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey and to be ready for every good work. He said, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves were once foolish. We were once what? Foolish. We were once, foolish. in other words, now we are not foolish. Okay? We were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving, 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 various lusts. He's talked about two kinds of lusts there, but here he tells us there are various lusts. He talked that first John talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. But he said various lusts. When you are not born again, you simply live after your lust. Whatever you feel like, whatever you desire, that's what you do. He said we're seven various lusts. And pleasures, living in malice and envy, and hateful and hating one another. This was our previous state, our lustful state before we got born again. Now look at 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13 to 15. Therefore, get up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of, at the revelation of who? Okay, as obedient children, not, not what? Conforming yourself to your former lust. Don't forget that. Conforming yourself to your former lust. As in your ignorance. Okay? But now, do what? But as he who had called you is holy, you also must be holy in all your conduct. So, don't conform to your former lust. Don't live like you used to. Now, let's look at First Peter 4, verse 1 to 3. You need this foundation because I am establishing a very important thing that will help you to be able to deal with it. Let's go together. Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind as cease from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the last of the last of, but for the will of God. You remember what we read in 1 John chapter 2 verse 15. He said, the world passeth away and the last thereof, but he that doeth the will of God. Here he's talking about the same thing. He said that he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh for the last of men, but for the will of God. But for the will of God. You are either, you see, when you live according to your last, you fulfill your own will. But when you live after the will of God, you subdue your last, 
and you allow the will of God to find expression in your life. Are you here with me? God's will is that you walk in love. God's will is that you walk in harmony with the brethren. But the moment you allow your lustful way to have preeminence and to be seen, to take over, you are not able to manifest in the love of God like you ought to. That's what the Bible is talking about here. So he says we should not live like we used to in the former last, but we should be mindful of the fact that we are walking in the will of God. Now look at verse 3 with me. I like verse 3. He said, for we have spent enough. Somebody say, you spent enough. We have spent what? Enough of our doing the will of the Gentiles. The Gentiles, what were they doing? When we walk in lewdness and lust, drunkenness, rivalries, and drinking parties and abominable, this was the state. Our last full state before we go born again. Alright? Do you follow what I'm saying now? Now let's see, after you are born again, what happens? After you are born again, what happens? Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 17. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I say then, you are born again. I say then, do what? Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill. Now that you are born again, he's acknowledging the fact that the lust of your flesh is still present. It's not left you. Are you following what I'm saying? You are born again. The lust of the flesh is still present in you because your spirit got saved, your mind is being renewed, but your body is not saved. And lust has to do with your flesh, your desires. So he says, walk in the spirit. The antidote to dealing with lust is by walking in the spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now he says something very important. Verse 17, he said, for the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another so that you do not do the things you wish. When you are born again, I told you that it's very, very difficult for a child of God to continue in a life of sin. Do you remember what I told you? Yeah, It's very, very difficult because you see, the moment you decide to give yourself to sin, there's a conflict that's going on. Every time you sin, you are not happy. Every time you sin, you lose your peace. That would be the natural life of a man who is born again. If you are born again, the seed of God will not allow you to live perpetually in sin. You have no rest. In fact, your miserable self, you will find it when you choose to live a life of sin. So he says, there is a war going on. Now look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 to 23. This is when we are born again. So we had lust before we got born again. Somebody say, I had lust before I got born again. After I got born again, lust is still present in my members. Uh-huh. Lust is still present in your members because it's a good desire. I've told you that lust itself is a desire misdirected. But at, at the very core of it, lust is desire. And desire is good. The Bible says, as newborn babies, desire the sincere make of a word that you may grow thereby. So having a desire in itself is not bad. But when you are desiring the wrong thing, that's where lust comes in. It's not, it's not bad if you want to have sex, but desire it with your wife, not with somebody else. Are you get what I'm talking about? That is what we are talking about. So we, next week, when I begin to deal with the lust of the flesh proper, you'll be able to understand what I'm talking about. But I'm just looking at general lust. Somebody say general lust. Okay, now let's look at Ephesians 4, verse 17 to 23. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do. They are hopelessly confused. 
When you are born again, you are no longer a Gentile. You are a child of God. And there's a way you ought to live your life. There's a way you ought to walk. He said, I say this unto you as a person with authority. Don't live like you used to. As the Gentiles live. How did they live? Verse 18. He said, their minds are full of darkness. Their minds are full of what? You see, if you are going to live a victorious life in Christ, what you do with your mind is very important. If you allow junk into your mind, there is no way you can live a victorious life in Christ. Your mind has to be brought into alignment. Your spirit is perfect. Your mind has to be in sync with your spirit in order for you to enjoy continuous victory. He said their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Verse 19, let's go. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Oh, I like verse 20. But that isn't what you learn about Christ. Are you following that? That's not the way you learned about Christ. That's the way you used to live in the world. But now that you are in Christ, there's a way Christians live. How do Christians live? Verse 21. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from you. I like the word you have learned. Somebody say you have learned. That's why I keep on telling you that when somebody is born again fresh and they come with all kinds of liabilities and baggage, ours is not to criticize them. Ours is not to legislate how they should dress, what they can wear, what they cannot wear. What they need is learning. Somebody say learning. They need time to learn. They need to be exposed to the truth. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Once you begin to know better, you are a child. When they put diapers on you, you will think that the best way to do the thing is just release it on yourself. It is because you are at a certain stage where you wear diapers. But the moment you mature up to a certain point, they change it and they begin to give you potty. And then they begin to show you how to do it. From there, they will put something on your water closet and make it small so that your small size can fit into it. You see, you are moving gradually. Am I complicating here? Now, you are learning line upon line, precept upon precept. So, you are gradually coming to a place where eventually you will know when you are even in a car, you are traveling somewhere and things are very tough, things are knocking things, you will still find a way to control it until you have reached a proper place where you can do it. Am I complicating here? Now, what has happened? You have learned. That's what the Bible is saying. He says, since you have heard about Jesus, you heard about him, you got saved. Now that you are saved, you have learned the truth that comes from him. Because you have learned the truth that comes from him. Look at verse 22. He says, throw off your sinful nature. You've learned the truth. Now that you know the truth, that you are born again, you are a new man, you are a new creation, you have the nature of God in you, you cannot continue a life of sin. He said, throw away your sinful nature. How could you throw it away? Because now you have power to throw it away. Are you here with me? You couldn't do anything about it. You remember what we read? He said, when they used to live according to the lust of their flesh, they had no power. They were just under control. But here, now you are power. The Holy Spirit lives in you. He energizes you from within. So you have the power to throw it away. Somebody say, throw it away. Say, throw it away. Throw away your old sinful nature and your former way of life. And he says, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Those two things. Your former nature is corrupted by lust and deception. And instead, I like verse 23, instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Do you see the number of times thoughts, mind, and attitude comes in? 
All of that has to do with your mindset. Your mindset. You see, worldliness is a mindset. It's a mindset that is consistently feeding on things that uh, promote and advance the cause of your flesh and not the cause of your spirit. Okay, so that is, we've looked at last before we got born again, last after we are born again. You had last. Somebody say, I had last before I got born again. I still have last after I've gotten born again. But the way you deal with it is what we are looking at next. When you are born again, there are a number of ways the Bible tells us to deal with lust. How do we deal with lust? Number one, the Bible says we should not fulfill the lust of our flesh. We shouldn't. We shouldn't. Look at what the Bible says, Romans chapter 13, verse 11 to 14. Don't fulfill the lust of your flesh. If you so fulfill it, you have made a choice to do so. Look at this. He says, and do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Verse 12. The night is far spent and the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on what? Let's put on what? The armor of light. Verse 13. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in rivalry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and, and, and. Huh. We are not to walk in that part. Not in strife or an envy. Go to verse 14. But... Oh, come on, come on, come on. Read that with passion. But put on the Lord and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust. Okay? So when we make provision for the flesh, we will fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the Bible says we shouldn't fulfill the lust and the way not to fulfill the lust is not to make provision for it. If you sit by an erotic movie and on the go two hours you have watched two erotic movies. And you think that nothing has happened in your system. You are only deceiving yourself. You are making provision for your flesh. So when you meet your beloved, without intending to, you'll be kissing her. Am I communicating here? Yeah. You are in a hurry to want to go to bed with her. Because that's what has entered your system. Garbage in, garbage will be out. He says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the, for the flesh to fulfill the lust. So there are things we do, we are making provision. Somebody say provision. provision. I keep on telling you that Satan will always take the space you give him. You remember, the Bible said, neither give place to the devil. When you give him place, he will take it. He will take it. And we'll give him place by the things we expose ourselves to. When we come into the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, we'll appreciate some of these things. Now look at that. Make no provision to fulfill the last. Now, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. He says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the last of the flesh. You are born again, but walk in the spirit so you don't fulfill the last of the flesh. So it means that you are born again all right. These are some of the reasons why you can meet a believer who is acting in a certain way. He's not able to walk in love. He's into all kinds of deeds. Smoking, drinking, and all of those. And yet he's a believer. He's born again. He's made provision for the last. All his friends are unbelievers. When they meet, it is one star after another. That is the provision he has made around him. And so drinking will be your natural habitat. Pastor, I don't know how to deal with this. I know how you ought to deal with this. Cast away all of those wrong people away from you. Are you here with me? Yeah. When I sleep, I have all kinds of weird dreams. Yeah, before you slept, what kind of music were you listening to? What provision did you make before you went to bed? 
So we are not to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Number two, we are to flee lust. Somebody say flee lust. Yeah, that's one of the things the Bible tells us to do with lust. Second Timothy 2, verse 22. Flee also youthful lust. This one, he actually attached something to it. Youthful lust. Somebody say youthful lust. Yeah, yeah, youthful lust. Flee youthful lust. There are certain lusts they are associated with youth. When you are young, there are some lusts that are very, very common. Yeah. Sex is one of those things. When you are young, you have a lot. You want it. And when you are going to get married, that's all you are thinking about. As if you do that every day when you marry. You marry and after some time, you will get tired. <laughs> are you here with me? <laughs> this is a, yeah, that's what, that's what it is. <laughs> when there are bills to pay, you even think about sex. Yeah. Yeah. When you're going to get married, all your mind is, hey, hey. <laughs> when responsibility comes, when you begin to take care of children, <laughs> at night the children are not sleeping for you to sleep, you will know whether you have desire for it or not. But the Bible says we should flee youthful lust. Someone say flee youthful lust. Yeah, we have to flee youthful lust. In fact, 1 Peter 2, verse 11, it says, I beg you, as sojourners, abstain from the lust. Abstain. Now, those are strong words, okay? Those are strong words because sometimes when we talk about the grace of God and all of that, people think that we don't have to take any action when it comes to sin. The grace of God will work it inside us. Yes, the grace of God has worked it inside us. That is why we have the sense, we have the desire to want to step away from a certain environment. Are you here with me? I said, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims. Now, this is another word that he uses to describe who we are. Who is a believer? Who is a Christian? He's a sojourner. He's a pilgrim. He's a citizen. He's passing through. And he says, as sojourners, abstain from the fleshly lust which war against your soul. That is in conflict with your soul. So abstain from it. Abstain from it. Can a believer watch every movie? No, a believer cannot watch some movies. Abstain from some movies. Can a believer be at every event? No, a believer cannot be at every event. Abstain. That's what it means. Flee. There are some environments when you expose yourself to it, you are setting yourself up to sin easily. I get what I'm talking about here. Yeah. yeah. You made it easier for Satan to attack. Your beloved has visited you and you have locked door. The two of you are in a room. What? No, 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 no. What are you thinking? <laughs> and you, the lady, you are cool. The moment he locks the door, immediately, you should know that something has entered his head. <laughs> something has entered his head. So if you can't get it out of his head, you get out of the environment. Are you here with me? And most of the time, you can't get it out of his head. But the time it travels all the way, from the head to the hand, and he goes to lock the door. No, no, no. At that time, it's too difficult. If you try it, you will not succeed. <laughs> so the best person you can help is yourself. Are you here with me? Flee. That's the word. Flee youthful lust. Flee. That's the best way. And then the Bible also talks us about us as new believers or as Christians, we are not to conform to our former lust. 
We are not to conform. Somebody say, we are not to conform. Yeah, so our former last is there, but we are not to conform to it. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13 to 15. So we are to abstain from lust. We are to flee you to lust. We are not to fulfill the lust of the flesh, and we are not to conform. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13 to 15. Therefore, get up the loins of your mind. Be sober, rest hopefully. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to your former lust, as in your ignorance. So we are not to conform. Four scriptural truths about lust. That I need you to take. Four scriptural truths about lust. One, I'm using four D's. One, last draws. Somebody say last draws. Last draws. Last draws. It draws. Last draws. Last will draw you. It's a drawing force. It's a driving force. It will drive you and it will draw you. Last is a drawing force. Draws you into something. A wise man said, sin will take you farther than you want to go and will keep you longer than you want to stay. Say sin will take you farther than you want to go and will keep you longer than you want to stay. Yeah, so it's always important that you, you stop it before it stops you. Because once you start the process, oh, we are not going to have sex. We just kiss. Yeah, it will take you farther than you want to go and it will keep you longer than you want to stay. Yeah. You will not always start from the main thing. You always start from somewhere. Sin, it has a very progressive power. Strong power. It will be drawing one after the other. Look at this. James chapter 1 verse 13 to 15. Let no man say when he's tempted that I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempted he in a, in a verse 14. Let's read verse 14 together. But every man is when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Somebody say, drawn away. Drawn say, drawn away. Drawn yeah, drawn away. Drawn away. Drawn away. Drawn away. Drawn away. You'll be drawn away. The sister in your office that now you want to call her out for lunch, you are drawing towards her. Something is drawing you towards her. It's not normal. You are being drawn away. Drawn away. Gradually. The Bible says it will draw you. There is something in you that is seeking. You have a wife, but you seem to enjoy her company even more than your wife. Every now and then you want to chat her up. Every now and then you want to hang out with her. That is something is drawing you away. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 6. <laughs> I'm not too sure that's what you want to hear this evening. We are talking about forbidden love. Somebody say forbidden love. Forbidden love. Yeah. If you are going to love God and love him well, you have to know what you are not to love. Look at this. Let's read it together. For of this sort are those who creep into oh, let's talk. For this sort are those who creep into what? And make captives of loaded with led away by led away by yeah. So last will draw you. It will lead you into places. You went to the mayor come around and hold you to buy something. But last will let you want to pass through Absa Bank. And you are not doing anything there, but there's some guy there. You want to see. The last time when you went to do business there, he complimented you. And since then, the thing has entered your head. And you are beginning to nest something for him. So you are going there, and you are being led there by last. Somebody say, last leads. Last leads. Yeah. 
That's what the Bible says. If you are led by the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, so if you are not led by the Spirit, you will be led by your lust. Lust leads. It will draw you into places, into people, into relationships that are forbidden. Lust drew a lot of people. What was it that drew Eve to the tree? Was it not lust? Lust. Genesis chapter 3 verse 6. When the woman saw, that's all, lust. When she saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took, that's all. She was drawn to it. She saw it and he took. What drew Potiphar's wife to Joseph? Lust. Lust. Just cast her eyes on him and started hunting him. Every step, anytime he went into the chamber to clean the place, she would just be in an angle and be eyeing Joseph like this. Lust. <laughs> Somebody say amen. <laughs> what a man. <laughs> Look at this. The Bible says, it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast his longing eyes. Say longing eyes. Uh -huh. There's an eye that is long. There are things, you have to look at them for a short time. Places you should not look twice. You are driving, you see this sister, and she's showing the big things. Don't look twice. Don't allow a seed to be planted in your mind. Am I communicating here? Once it's accidental, twice it's intentional. <laughs> Am I communicating here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and sometimes, if you are, when, when the look begins to affect you, you will see that you go and pack as if you want to buy cocoa. <laughs> What a shock. <laughs> you go and pack ahead. And it's as if you are checking something. You are not checking anything. You are not checking anything. Satan is working on your mind. He shall not take control over your life. You will not be a victim of the enemy. In the mighty name of Jesus. It was last that drew David. Stood on top of the list and then. At the time he opened his eyes, the Bible says it happened in the springtime. When the king should go to war, the king was there. Verse 2. The king was there. It happened one evening that David rose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. Well, if they don't put roof there. <laughs> All these stories, don't do it. <laughs> it's not necessary. You go stand there and see what you are not supposed to see. Yeah. Oh, so he, he stood there. <laughs> from there he saw a woman bathing. <laughs> uh, yeah, he saw a woman bathing. Didn't it end there? The woman was very beautiful to behold. <laughs> Somebody said, Last. It's a very dangerous thing. So, last draw. Somebody said, Last draws. Second Samuel chapter 13. <laughs> we'll continue next week. Second Samuel chapter 13. He said, after this, Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. This is a very dangerous place. This is where we see lust of the flesh really, really at work. 
And Amnon was so distressed over his sister Taman that he became sick. Oh, I am lovesick for you. No, it's last. When it is a love, it will not go into sickness. No, no, it, why are you sick? Genuine love does not get sick for people. Love adds value to people. It's last. It's last. As I said, became sick. And all he was looking for was just to be happy. And the Bible said it was improper for Amnon to do anything to her. Okay, now look at verse 3. But Amnon had a friend. You see this thing that we are talking about. The relationship thing I'm talking about. He had a friend. What he didn't know how to do, a friend he had knew how to do. Two cannot work together except they be agreed. It's most likely that his friend had been doing the same in his own house. So he knew the strategy, what to do. Bible says, iron sharpening iron. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. We are going to continue next week as we look at the other things that lust does. Lust draws, lust deceives, lust destroys, and lust can be denied. Somebody say, lust can be denied. All right. Stand on your feet. Say, I have the nature of God in me. I'm a new man. I have the nature of God in me. I have the power to control myself. The fruit of the spirit is self-control. I master lust. Lust does not rule me. I make a choice tonight that I will make no provision to fulfill the lust of the flesh. I honor God in life and in all my dealings. Lift up your voice and begin to speak to God for a moment. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message by Pastor Afwakwa. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapeloffice at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afwakwa on Facebook, Instagram and X. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our good news service at our headquarter church, for our first service, which is from 6.30 a.m. to 8 a.m., or our second service, which is from 8.30 a.m. to 10.30 a.m., and on Wednesdays for our discovery service, which is from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakoma Plaza, opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santasi Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Yeah.